Amen. Praise God. He's so, so good to us. He's so, so good to us. Um, you know, your worship is your warfare. And uh, if you'll learn to press in and worship past your feelings and your emotions and your circumstances, uh, God will begin to turn things around in your life. And the reason we come together in this building together is that we get a chance to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God's up to something. God is up to something. And He's up to more than a chili cook-off, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. We've got some good judges. Uh, David Terry's going to be a judge who does championship barbecue and... Uh, and Representative Cozart and his wife are going to be judges. Uh, they did pull his email server. There is some correspondence between us. But uh, there was nothing about chili in there, okay? Uh, God's awesome. God's awesome. Um, I'm kind of all over the place today, but that's okay. Um, we'll be looking at Matthew 25. Uh, it's kind of where we're going to land. And the Lord began to stir on my heart of the special season that we're in as a church and on the earth, of what God is wanting to do through us as a body, not just through me as a minister, but through you. Uh, how many of you know there's no big eyes in, in the kingdom of God? There's only us, and, and, there's, and there's, it's all of us in this thing together that we're only as strong as our weakest link. And so, um, so God's wanting to do some things, and He's wanting to, to stir some things up in our lives. And I think that we're in a strategic time, a strategic season as a church on the earth in this strategic city that God wants to do something in. I believe that with all my heart. I do not think that we're just uh, going to eke out some existence here in Hot Springs, at Arkansas, as Lakeview, or as the church at large. I think God wants to do some big things. And we're meeting an intersection of time with, that's, uh, that's pregnant with purpose. See, it's one thing for time to be passing by. It's another thing when God interjects His will and His purpose and His presence into that time and impregnates it with purpose. You see, God's Word is full of purpose. It's full of life. And any times God's Word goes out, all it's looking for is an empty womb to receive that Word and if that empty womb will humbly receive that word, nothing but life can help but take place. But we're caught in the middle of this strange entity called time. Everything that we do is marked by the steady march of time. How many of you ever said to yourself, it feels like I'm running out of time? Or I feel like I've wasted my time. Or I feel like I've spent my time. Time is almost like a commodity. Seconds lead to minutes. Minutes lead to hours. Hours lead to days. Days lead to weeks. Weeks lead to months. Months lead to years. Years lead to decades. And decades lead to centuries. So on and so forth. See, the problem with time is, is it's always running. Right? Uh, it, it's always running. 
but it seems to be running the wrong way. Amen. Chuck gave me a good amen. <laughs> it seems to be running the wrong way. We lose moments to the past out of our reach to never be regained again. Which means all we have is the present. But the present is impregnated with presence. If we're willing to apprehend the moment and not let it go. Have you ever said, where did all the years go? Somebody asked me the other day, have you getting more grace? I said, yeah. I am. Actually, within the last year. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Some of you are out of the house. The kids have grown and gone. You're muddling through a career. You're making a living. You're just existing but it feels like out of habit more than anything. You're caught in a rut, and a rut is nothing more than a grave kicked out on both ends. And you might be thinking to yourself that I miss my chance to make a difference. Have you ever thought that? I miss my chance to make a difference. See, the Greek language has a couple words that means time. Uh, one of the definitions of time is called chronos, which is where we get the word chronology. It's normal time. It's human time. It's seconds and minutes and hours. And, and this is the time in which uh, the earth is governed and we're governed. It's uh, basically the calculation of the earth's sweep around the sun. And God himself ordained this measurement of time on the fourth day of creation when he created the sun, moon, and stars for seasons, days, and years. Um, but as the passing of time, we wouldn't know that time was passing if another entity wasn't happening. Um, getting old. See, if something remained the same, we wouldn't even know time had passed, would we? The fact that we see wrinkles begin to etch on our face... The fact that, man, this is hitting home. Uh, the fact that we see wrinkles etched on our face and we see gravity begin to set in as the years move on is the fact that we know things are changing and we're getting old. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Fancy term for it is called entropy, which basically means in a closed system, things left to themselves Go into chaos. Time is nothing more than the measure of things getting old. This gets better, I promise. <laughs> I got to really bring you down before we go back up. <laughs> in the 19th century, when uh, travel began, especially in the 20th century, when travel began to be perfected and people were, started to travel the world and imperialism and some different things were taking place. The primitive cultures in which the Westerners would come into described the people just by looking. And they said that Westerners were people that wore gods on their wrist. Oh, gotta go. Oh, that time ends up becoming a bondage in which we're captured in 
wondering if there is a way out. Time is affecting us all. We're all wondering how much more time we have left. And how much time did we waste? It's a burden. It's heavy, heavy burden. But even though things are getting older, and I'm getting older, and you're getting older too. Wait, sounds familiar. I find that even though my wife is getting older, I love her more the next day than I did the day before. Why could that be since matter left to itself is going to run into chaos? And since we're all approaching this point of destruction, how in the world could over time my love increase? That is because relationship trumps time. Because when I'm walking in relationship, suddenly I've transcended time and I'm in the now. I'm in the now. So what is the now? If my past is saying you can't go back, and my future is saying not yet, then I'm stuck in the middle of this reality called now. And if I'm stuck in now, how do I apprehend now? Because as soon as I say now, it's gone. And it's went to the past. So now, oh, now. So I find myself stumbling through life blindly so I don't have to deal with the reality of now. And I'm haunted by my past and fearful of my future. Trapped in the middle in the now. But in the now... Another word for the now is called the present. You know what my wife's always telling me? Would you just be present? <laughs> oh, the husband snickered. I'm not the only one. Thank you. To be present is to be now. Do you know what she's really saying? Don't worry about what has happened. And don't worry about what will happen. Will you just embrace me in relationship now? See, relationship can only be enjoyed now. I can't go back and revisit a relationship. And I can't go forward into the future and dream up a relationship. I've got to take life on life's terms now, I've got to embrace the now. And in the now is where we get to have relationship and where we get to enjoy presence. Uh, so the only way to have now is for God who is outside of time and space 
to enter into time and space and draw me into relationship with him where that I could enjoy now and embrace the now with God here today right now. Because when God breaks into the chronos, into the days and seconds and minutes, he can do more in one second than you can do in a lifetime of self-improvement. In other words, chronos gets invaded by God and it turns into kairos. And a kairos time in the Greek language is when God invades the chronos and says, I'm not going to give this over to normal processes that typically take years and time and lots of and lots of practice I'm gonna do in an instant through relationship what would normally take 50 years to begin to develop and so this is the God that we serve that's outside of time he doesn't need your process he doesn't need your seconds your minutes your hours if you will meet him here today and if you will open your heart and say God I'm here I'm vulnerable I surrender myself to you he can enter into the normal processes of time speed that thing up and do what looks like it would have taken decades to accomplish Amen. I'm out of breath. On Friendsgiving. Come on, help me somebody. See, when we step into time and into eternity, when we engage God, time stands still. Time stands still. This is the gift that God wants to give us, the now, the present. Because the gift that God wants to give us Eternal life. Life forever. Right? What is God saying? I'm going to stop time so that we can just be here together forever. That in the book of Revelation, when God comes back and the city of God comes down, there's no more need for a son. Because God's glory becomes the light for the city. In other words, time stands still, and we're always in the now with God. So the present becomes presence. The present becomes presence. And if you'll use your present to encounter his presence, he can do more through engaging his presence than you can do with all your efforts and everything that you have combined. See, this is what God is calling us into. Eternal life. In other words, eternal present moments with God. Eternal and present moments with God. St. Paul talks about the fullness of time. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. He says that Jesus came in the fullness of time. So what is the fullness of time? What is the Apostle Paul talking about? The fullness of time. What God is saying there through the Apostle Paul is, is that there's moments in the chronos that God has foreordained and predestined based upon the right ingredients all coming together 
that are moving on this timeline to a strategic point where God has put himself already in the future. And he begins to give prophetic declarations from that place in the future to prepare the people to keep taking steps towards that reality of God's presence and what he wants to do in that moment, okay? So the fullness of time means this, that there's a moment to where God is calling us to this place and as God is calling us to this place to which we are going, if we have the courage and surrender to keep stepping there, if we begin to push aside the sin issues and the weights that are holding us back, that God's already waiting in the future in the fullness of time for us to get there. So we are all the ingredients God's beginning to put together in this church. He's bringing people in with different skill sets and with different gifts and with different things. He's brought some people in after experiencing a tremendous heartache. Somebody left you. Somebody did this and somebody did that. God's saying, quit worrying about all that. I'm doing something in your life. I just need you to keep going forward to this place that I've got for you. And if you'll keep walking forward, I'm going to meet you in the fullness of time and if you keep coming and you make it to the fullness of time I'm going to supersede time and I'm going to do something that should have took hundreds of years and I'm going to do it in a matter of moments and when we keep moving to that place in time, that's what we call revival. When we begin to get to the place and have the courage enough to go to the place where God's calling us. And we say, I don't care what you think or what you think. I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to praise. I'm going to quit being bitter. I'm going to quit putting posts up on Facebook talking about somebody. I'm going to get my heart right. I'm going to get my life right. And I'm going to surrender all that I am. Because the fullness of time is coming. The fullness of Kronos is coming. And God's going to invade that place if I keep coming. And he's going to reward me openly with his blessings. The fullness of time are the pleroma of the Kronos. The fullness of time. Jesus came in the fullness of time. Okay, I want you to get a hold of this with me. Oh, man. I shouldn't have wore this mustard sweater. My wife marked her territory. Y'all know I'm married. Come on now. I'm wearing something like this. Look like French's mustard bottle up here. Come on. Help me. Somebody said, Grey Poupon. I said, no, that's way too highfalutin. I'm French's, man. Come on. What am I talking about? <laughs> Fullness of time. I think, yeah. So Jesus comes at the fullness of time. What had happened in the moment that Jesus came first century AD? The Roman world had conquered the world, but they had developed a unique and effective transportation system. The Romans thought they were connecting the Roman Empire. What they didn't realize, they were paving roads that missionaries would walk on to share the gospel to the furthest corners of the earth. Are you hearing me? Apostle Paul didn't have to fight a hundred different worldviews. 
because the world had been Hellenized by the Greeks. So everybody spoke a lingua franca, the same language that everybody else spoke, Greek. So guess what the Bible could be written in where everybody could understand it? Greek. <laughs> Alexander the Great thought he was enforcing his will on the earth. Caesar thought he was dominating the earth. But all they were doing was paving roads and making it easier for the missionary to come on through. More people existed in the Roman Empire than the previous empires combined. So Jesus comes at a time where the most amount of people at one moment could hear about him. See, it appears that Caesar is in control. It appears... The empire is in control. But God's just using their work to lay a groundwork so that those with the gospel of peace shot around their feet can travel and get to the place where they need to be. And I submit to you, everybody that did something to kind of control and manipulate you in your life was nothing more than the groundwork that led you to Jesus Christ and led you into Him. There's a reason why Christ dies on a cross and that's where we meet Him. We meet Him in the place of crisis because that's where we always meet Him. We see Jesus on the cross. So when you're in your life crisis, what do you do? You look to the one that's on the cross and say, wow, a crisis greater than mine. Maybe there's meaning in it. And when you begin to push forward and use your crisis to get desperate enough and to surrender enough, you begin to find Christ in his crisis. And Christ in his crisis is for all times and for all sins, future, present, and past. So there's something alive about the sacrifice of Jesus that it can be applied at any moment in time because it transcends time. Because in the fullness of time, God became flesh and put his word into the chronos and says, chronos doesn't have the final word. Who's got the final word? That's God and his word is the final word in your life. God and his word is the final word in your life because God had entered into time as a man in order to redeem time. God has redeemed time. And even though Jesus is murdered, crucified, wrongly accused, kangaroo court, the same hand that he spoke into existence, he allows to pull out the hair on his beard. The same tree he speaks into creation, he allows himself to be nailed on. See, it looked like God wasn't in control. But the reality is, he knew what was going on all the time. All the time. And he submits himself to time, submits himself into death, rises from the dead. In other words, time has no hold on me. God undoes the second law of thermodynamics and entropy and calls us into a race where time is no more. 
where the eternity is always present and we are always in the present tense. In other words, God says, I'm going to come inside of you and I'm going to dwell in you. And as I'm on the inside of you, I'll always be present. And I'll never leave you or forsake you. In other words, you'll never get too old for me. I'll never get tired of you. Entropy doesn't matter to me. I've overcome that. I'm just calling you into presence with me here and now. We're coming up on a kairos moment of time. A fullness moment of time. I'm going to share this parable with you. Matthew 25. Because as we're coming closer to this intersection of time, when we don't respond to God or surrender, you can run out of time and miss your moment. And I don't want you to miss your moment. I don't want you to miss your moment. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet a bridegroom. Now, in this culture, being a bridesmaid was, was a big deal. It's a big deal in our culture, but in this thing, this was like women dreamed about being a bridesmaid and being a part of this ceremony of honor in the Oriental cultures. Uh, so being a bridesmaid here is even greater honor than what we even can imagine it now. And to be shut out of the wedding after being invited as a bridegroom, this was the stuff of like nightmares, right? This was like the stuff that would have haunted a first century mindset. It would be almost unimaginable to a young woman to miss her moment as a bridesmaid. See, weddings were, were held toward the evening and there were torches that were used in order to light the path. And so they would use well-oiled rags and they would wrap them around. This isn't a, a Greek Herodian lamp that you probably picture in your mind. Uh, the scholars say that these are torches, that these are oil-soaked rags that are wrapped up, that are burning at 15-minute intervals. And so every 15 minutes, they would have to have another rag soaked with oil, relight it, and then continue on to the journey. So this isn't just something you light one time and you go. This is a preparedness. This is a getting ready for the wedding, a getting ready for the party, and making sure that your part of the party is taken care of. See, in the traditional Palestinian villages, uh, the wedding feast would occur at night. There would be a whole day of dancing. The bridesmaid would leave the bride with whom they had been staying, go out to meet the bridegroom with torches, and the bridesmaids would escort the bridegroom back into the party. Well, I got excited about it. I guess you guys <laughs> process, do what you got to do. Verse 2, five of them were foolish, Five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. See, they could only make it 15 minutes because they didn't soak the rag that got them there. They quit soaking the rag that got them there. 
Come on now, we've got too many flashes in the pans in the body of Christ that know how to light 15 minutes worth of old rags. We need some folks that come prepared that are ready to make this journey. Because if they don't meet the bridegroom, guess what? The bridegroom doesn't make it back to the wedding party. Which tells me they weren't too worried about the bridegroom making it back into the party. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Verse 4, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Come on now. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. See, torches like these are, are, are burning every 15 minutes. And so you not only had to stay awake and listen for the cry that the city people would begin to announce that the bridegroom is coming so that you could meet him. You not only had to stay awake and be watchful and be aware of what hour you were in in the night, in the midnight cry. And as we've approaching the end of the world and what God is going to do in the end of the earth and what he's wanting to do in revival in his people, you not only had to be watching, but you had to be prepared in order to have enough fire to see the king and then meet the king and get the king where he needs to be. See, this was something that wasn't just uh, there. This had to be thought out. And uh, after the first announcement of the bridegroom was coming, sometimes they would miss it. Have you ever known anybody to miss it, right? So sometimes they'd say, the bridegroom's coming. Like, never mind, it's uh, a donkey or something walking around. Hey, the bridegroom's... Oh, never mind. Sorry. Just a traveler. Just a traveler. And they might have got so tired of hearing false information that they said, you know what? I've been hearing that all my life. It ain't happened yet. Where's my bottle of lemon juice? all those rags later I can deal with that tomorrow I can do I got an hour or so I can uh, later I'll soak those I'll soak those rags later I've already got my oil stashed up I'll get to it but then at midnight at a time when no one's ready Here comes the bridegroom. There's no time to oil rags and make the trip. Verse 8, and the foolish said to the wise, give me some of your oil for our lamps are going Here's the reality. They can't share their oil or they won't have enough for the trip to make it all the way with the bridegroom. In other words, this parable is dealing with individual preparedness, not a collectiveness of a church people dragging somebody along the way. 
If you're expecting somebody to keep dragging you, eventually we're going to have to let go. Because you're going to run out of oil drags and we can't afford to give you ours. Because we're going to the fullness of time where God has called us to. So I hate to lose you, but you want oil rags and do what you're supposed to do. So I've got to keep going and keep oil in my rags so that I can fulfill the call that God's put in my life. Because at the end of the day, I won't stand before you and be accounted for by God. I will stand in front of God and give an account for how I lead this church. The wise answered, there's not going to be enough for us. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in and went with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. See, if they would have all been sharing their old rags, they would have all ran out. And they couldn't have got the bridegroom to the party. We will do anything in our power to help you along the way. But there comes a time you've got to oil your own rags. There comes a time you've got to begin to oil your own rag. And some of the problem is too many people have been oiling your rags for too long. And you ain't grown up. We're having to part the beard to put a bottle in. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> that was a weird image, wasn't it? <laughs> that was really weird. <laughs> Back to the scriptures. Verse 11. Afterwards, the virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So the idea is, and back in those days, once they locked the door, it wasn't like a latch, like, you know what I'm saying? It was this big cumbersome operation to block the door. So it wasn't something the homeowner could do every single time when it comes to putting the lock back and taking it off. It wasn't just this latch. Oh, come on in. Oh, come on in. Come on. In other words, there was a moment in time that you had to capitalize on or it would pass by and you would never get that moment in time again. So the voice is, I do not know you. What scholars think is going on there is that in that period of time, they would pretend they didn't know the person knocking once a certain time had passed because the party had already started and they couldn't afford to get everybody to unbrace the door and pull them away from the party. So they would say they didn't know you even though they were a bride, bridesmaid. So here's the reality. The bridesmaid had a duty to escort the bridegroom with singing and dancing and torches to make sure he got to the place he was supposed to be. You and I 
are like bridesmaids. And based on our preparedness of oiled rags, will we escort the king to his proper place. God is saying there's a moment in time here today, a present moment with his presence where he's saying, don't let it pass by because I don't know how many old rags you have. But what I've found is that this God is so rich in mercy. That this God has so much love in His heart. That He's inviting you to be a part of a wedding feast you can't even comprehend or imagine or even in your mind fathom. But you've got to quit, quit passing up moments to do the right thing. You gotta quit passing up moments. What you used to get away with, you won't get away with in the fullness of time. Because you'll run out of gas and you won't make it. God's got destiny and purpose in this room. But guess what? Those secret sins, you're gonna have to deal with them. Secret sins, you're gonna have to deal with them. Because you don't wanna miss this wedding feast. You don't want to miss this wedding feast. And everything that you've dropped in surrender to Jesus, you'll find that He's a greater treasure than anything that you dropped to meet Him. Would you bow your heads with me? God, you've invaded time and space. And you've put every moment Every present moment, God, you've put purpose in it. Where we could find you and meet you. But God, we don't want to pass up the moments. Because we know there's a place in the future that if we do what you've asked us to do, we're going to run into that moment to where you've intersected time. In the fullness of time, you're going to do something, but God, it's going to take a corporate obedience, God. It's going to take a surrender, God, greater than we even know. God, we don't want to pass up any moments, God. We want to meet you right where we're at. Every head bowed and every eye still closed. If you need to get your heart right with the Lord, I want you to put your hand up right where you're at. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. You with your hands up, would you come on up? We just want to pray with you. If you raise your hand, come on up. Anybody else?